Welcome back to Bare Knuckles and Brass Tacks. We are back after the break. This is the cybersecurity podcast that tackles the vendor-customer relationship. We're back from summer camp. We're excited to get started. I'm George K with the vendor side. And I'm George A, Chief Information Security Officer. And today, it is the good, the bad, and the WTF from Hacker Summer Camp 2023. And for those not in the know, Hacker Summer Camp is the entire week of August that comprises about five different conferences in Las Vegas. And in chronological order, I believe it is the Diana Initiative, B-Size Las Vegas, Black Hat overlaps with DEFCON and now SquadCon. And that is the whole week spanning from Sunday to Sunday. And that is what people refer to as Hacker Summer Camp. So we're going to start off with the good. We'll get to the bad and we will get to the WTF. But I, we are going to end on the good because I don't want to end on on the WTF. But so we'll, we'll save we'll save some good for, for the last bit. But let's get into it. Let's start with the good. Um, you go first. Sweet. Yeah. Um, cause obviously like, you know, just so people have full context, um, our, uh, our friend George K here is, uh, you know, I think he'll be in a position to announce a new, uh, primary employer pretty soon. But, uh, until then he's still just kind of, uh, being infosec bomb <laughs> and doing That's different right. things outside the con. Ronin, just wandering warrior. <laughs> But uh, my experience happened to be the more uh, typical CISO. I'm going to go evaluate a bunch of software and see if there's stuff I want to buy and create a wish list. So I had to actually do work work, uh, which is super cool when you're, you know, making relationships and friends until four in the morning every night, because that's what you do at Black Hat and DEF CON. Absolutely. Uh, but yeah, so uh, first good thing, really love to see this within the hacker community, the amount of innovation that DEF CON has now become and, and uh, really represents. Uh, what I really <laughs> saw at DEF CON this year was the bleeding edge of, of services, of technology, of problem solving. Um, it was there, right? And, yeah. and you know, I, I think I think what's really cool about it is now, you know, with a lot of changes happening in the American public sector with, with the federal government and the renewed interest and investment in cybersecurity, uh, you know, uh, President Biden's come up with a lot of executive orders of late that really are trying to reinforce supply chain management. Um, you know, you're seeing uh, SISA there, like they had a boot there. You're seeing mm -hmm. DOD there. I think I, I ran into easily half a dozen DOD contractors in different sites. Um, yeah. You know, you're seeing DARPA there. DARPA was quite prominent, actually. They were trying to recruit, doing things the DARPA way. Um, so that was really cool to see. And, and, you know, it was really cool to look kind of at where the investment is going and try to understand, you know, that there's going to be, especially as a result of this AI enhanced revolution, um, there are going to be new technology leaders. There are going to be new innovators that I think are going to be the next generation of our industry. And I think what's really clear is, um, and I, I wouldn't call this the bad, but Black Hat, uh, and I kind of mentioned this in a post afterwards uh, yesterday, you know, Black Hat, it's kind of turning into RSA. It's really mm -hmm. turning into speaking into the traditional security opportunity space. But I think where we are heading now is we need to look beyond the traditional problems, the traditional tools and, and technologies. And it's not going to be about marketing so much. It's here's my problem statement. 
do you have something to help me out? And every single founder, every single tech leader that I talked to at DEF CON, the ones especially that didn't have any boots or anything at Black Hat, they seemed to have solutions that were really appealing. So I ended up yeah. doing, ironically enough, most of my business development research work at DEF CON instead of Black Hat. Yeah, that wouldn't, that wouldn't have been on the typical uh, CISO bingo card, I don't think. No, and I think that from from that standpoint as well, from a business planning standpoint for folks listening, you really want to stay the whole time and go to DC as well. And I think if you do both, you really see the contrast and the experience and it really helps you get a full picture of, you know, what is your personal market research saving you the 50 or $100,000 of having to go to those large, we'll say business analytics firms that don't need to be named, but we all know what they are. <laughs> you can do your own research, but DEF CON's the place to be. And where did you find that research like was it in the talks was it running into people in the hallways like how did you if we're trying to teach other security leaders find those people going those honestly going to the different villages so the talks are cool but um and you know we can i think we're going to talk about this in the, in the next mm -hmm. part of the show the talks are maybe you know the problems being discussed in the talks are fascinating um delivery we are going to have a whole conversation about that but in terms of actual functional conversations that you can get value out of, going to the different villages and mm. seeing and just just networking out there because that's where a lot of like these emerging technical leaders are. Like they're going to go to their area of interest, like whether yep. it's the AI village or the aerospace village or whatever it is. And that's where they're kind of going to linger and hang out most of the day. And if you're just like a decent person and you're just like, hey, you look cool. That's a cool shirt. I like your button. And you find out that they're a founder out of Europe and they're flying in here and they have this really cool solution. And, you know, again, a typical themes of our show, be a normal person, go to the dance and just like relax, be yourself. And it's amazing where if you have genuine intents to connect with people, you will find it there because those folks aren't there necessarily advertising what they're doing. It's not a yeah. booth type scenario. It's mm -hmm. are they going to find people who are interesting to talk to, who are potential clients or potential partners and your ability to really build your network is your ability to actually conduct that research and benefit from them being there. Yeah. And even if you're not buying this quarter or next, you know, you're really, to your point, networking at the bleeding edge. So when the occasion arises or the need arises, you, you have those people to hand. Mm -hmm. So speaking of in your experience, because you didn't have to worry about, you know, doing vendor assessments or technology assessments, yeah. you actually just got to have fun and like hang out with people and do cool shit. How'd you find meeting people, man? What was the crowd like this year? Yeah, it was a blast. Um, I am privileged to know a number of people so we could coordinate ahead of time. But I was there all week, so from Sunday uh, to Saturday. So that takes me through B-Sides, Black Hat, SquadCon, DEF CON. Um, and I found meeting people to be the best part of this. And it was meeting either people for the first time. Shout out to Tia Hopkins, Ryan Lindley, the people I've been following or sort of connected to more or less for the last few years. But meeting them in person, you really get the vibe check. You get oh, we have shared interests on this. Oh, we have a similar sarcastic ass sense of humor or, you know, you just get to understand who they are and um, really good exchange of ideas. You get to maintain that momentum. That's probably harder to do through LinkedIn. And uh, maybe it results in, you know, joint presentations, papers, ideas. But um, that's what I 
went for. I really went for the community and the opportunity to to talk and share ideas because this is this is it, man. This is the two times a year that you can get that many people in one area and, and hope to meet them and collaborate and put some stuff together. So yeah, that was a, that was a blast. And, uh, everyone is so generous. Even the people you meet introduce you to other people. Um, and, uh, yeah, it just, it keeps, it's a, it's a knock on effect. It really rejuvenates the, the energy. Yeah. I think that's, that's kind of the whole point is like, you want to, be in a place where you can um, just meet with like-minded people who are super skilled and super talented and that you could potentially build opportunities to do cool shit. Cause um, you know, this whole show came out of that exact same thinking. Yeah. Um, and, and, you know, like we met folks that, you know, some of them are like, Hey, we should start a business. And it's just like, Hey, the day doesn't have 26 hours. So I don't know, but yeah. like, I really like you. <laughs> yes. Right. Like stuff like that. Right. But it's like, I do think, you know, especially um, with the community at SquadCon and the Black Girl, Black Girls Hack crowd, like they were super yeah. cool. That, you know, funny enough, uh, and, and I'd love for you to talk about that a little bit more because I, I think they deserve some of the attention. Um, I think what they pulled off was incredible and going to their event and seeing the energy and the folks that were there, brilliant talents, great stories. Like everyone has a great story across the board and just genuinely nice people. And it's, it's fun to go to a place where everyone's just there to be a good person and it was a very safe environment and everyone could just like, you know, for lack of a better term, let your free flag fly a bit because it was a costume party. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so that was pretty fun. Yeah. Um, I was, uh, I was very honored and privileged to be a part of the inaugural squad con. So for those of you who don't know, Black Girls Hack sponsored the Girls Hack Village last year at DEF CON. And for reasons yet to be determined, uh, DEF CON's central committee uh, rejected their application to bring back the Girls Hack Village this year. Um, and, you know, it would be easy to protest that decision. Um, but instead, what did Black Girls Hack do? In 60 days, they assembled an incredible lineup, an incredible suite of sponsors, right from Microsoft, Amazon, Google, um, and threw on a full-blown conference, a full-blown three-day conference, had uh, CTFs, had workshops, had speakers, had panels. It was really amazing to see that team and what they could pull off on such short notice. So I can't wait to what they have next year. But yeah, I brought you to their end of con party, which was a villains versus superheroes and uh, the director, Tanisha Martin, who is a red teamer herself, was dressed as the Red Queen, which might be like the best costume that I've seen at a CyberCon. Um, but yeah, to your point, uh, queer, straight, black, white, we had everyone there. It was a killer party and uh, the music just was super dope. Yeah, and I got I to gotta give a shout out, especially to, um, you know, Michelle Eggers and, and Marcus Carey. I, I you know, hung yes. out with them a little bit. Super cool people. Uh, Tanisha, I have to connect with as well separately because I, I would love to be able to help out further and maybe try to bring in some more uh, practitioners bond with it as well next year. Nice. Um, but yeah, I think that's the kind of energy one likes to see. And, and I, wa I remember the coolest thing too, just to show how well organized these folks are in 60 days. You walked outside of, of like the industrial kind of area where they, they had like, the, the industrial center they had there. It was a cool mm -hmm. like whatever business park that was an event space. And if you looked out to the right on the road, a massive billboard for their conference, like they had actually rented out a billboard 
So yeah, these man. guys thought of everything. And I was like, this is actually on some levels even better than DC because, you know, it's just the marketing was there. Everything was on point. Uh, so, you know, props to them. Um, I, I hope we start actually bringing some of them onto our show as well. I think I would love to platform them and platform that community because they, they deserve to have their voices heard, man. They got a lot of cool things to say. Yeah, 100. All right. So what about Black Hat? We talked a lot about DEF CON. Any good that came out of Black Hat? Yeah, you know what? There was, um, there was one thing that I really liked that I noticed this year, especially for some of these, uh, especially smaller or mid-market organizations that have good tech and, you know, they're, they're making decent amounts of money. Um, it wasn't just a sales team they brought out. The actual mm-hmm. founders and the C-suites were coming out and manning the booth. Um, that to me is about as appealing as one can get from a business development standpoint. Because for me as a practitioner, as a decision maker, instead of dealing with like an SC, which I have no problem, like a, you deal with a good SC, it's great. You're like, hey, nice demo. We'll have a follow up. We'll, we'll do the dance after the fact. But when you're talking to, you know, the founder or co-founder slash CEO or CTO or whatever, or CSO, and they can talk to you very much with firsthand knowledge of like, hey, this is the tech because I helped build it Mm -hmm. and let's talk about your use case and let's see if there's application to it. I think there's something to be said about the strength of that from a pitch standpoint where now it's like, hey, so we talk to the co-founder, we talk to the people who help code the damn thing. They're saying that there's applicability to the use case that we presented to them. We can go back and like chew this up back at home and see, hey, do we want to engage further? And because you have that critical relationship in place that isn't just with like some random, you know, BD or whatever that you don't even know if they're still going to be employed by the organization by the time you get home, (laughs) real thing that could happen. You're dealing with folks who are at the core. And and at that point, if they bring in a BD and they bring in the account team, there's already a a layer of trust there because, you know, you've dealt with kind of like the big decision maker. You've dealt with their boss. So you know that like they're typically not going to want to disappoint their boss and they're going to want to manage the relationship well. So there's already an environment of trust built there. You're not just another random prospect. I thought that was a really cool change. I think there should be more of that. I think uh, a lot of these organizations, if you're going to invest, you know, the fifty, seventy, five hundred thousand dollars to have a booth set up there, show up, show up, yeah. take a couple of days and show up. Because, you know, it's really worth it for your product teams and it's really worth it for your BD folks have to man those boots all day. Yeah, it's also time in the trenches and uh, you have a better understanding of what your teams are facing and the questions that they're getting. Yeah, you're really invested in the business at that point. I I had a, a few meetings with some stealth startups that I guess they had just emerged from stealth. But yeah, it was all co-founders, CEOs walking you through the demo, talking about it. And that was really inspiring because you get their their vibe off the, you know, why did I create this thing? Because I was working at this major bank and I saw X problem and Y solutions. So yeah, I agree. That was really good. I saw a lot of good booth engagement and I felt like the messaging wasn't as homogenous as I've seen in the past. But yeah, to your point, man, that expo hall is big now. (laughs) Feels a lot like RSA. Yeah. And it's hard because like you're running around and you're like, Hey, like I, I thought I saw this company like yesterday, but I don't know where they are and you get lost yeah. and you feel like a lost child in the mall. And basically, but you know, you can also connect with a lot of these folks, like you were saying in advance. So one thing I really do like that black hat does every year, they did excellently this year, um, setting up spaces separate from the actual expo hall for B2B mm-hmm. discussions. 
And I think there is ultimately a ton of business development value that occurs, whether you're a prospect or whether you're dealing with a, a supplier that you're already working with, having that opportunity to, to sit down somewhere, you know, semi-private or whatever private and talk about, hey, how you liking things so far? What's on your 2024 roadmap? Where are there chances for us to expand the business? Because having the opportunity to have those relationships when, you know, when you have, like when you're a CISO or a CIO with you or your architects are with you or whatever, and you're talking to other client executives or other, you know, architects on their end, you have that face-to-face opportunity. Those relationships are worth gold and investment as, as kind of business goes on after the fact. As we've said, like go for the renewal, right? That's where that juice is, is ginned up. Isn't that relationship? That's, that's where it is, man. And, 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 you know, the the conference still provides those opportunities. So I still think there's a ton of value for organizations to invest in sending people every year. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, we'll take a short break and then we get to get into the bad, which is arguably the more fun part, but we we got a lot to say there. (laughs) So we'll be right back. Hey listeners, if you like what you hear, be sure to like, subscribe, and share. Follow our LinkedIn page for updates, including swag giveaways. Now, back to our conversation about Hacker Summer Camp 2023. And we're back. All right. Hacker Summer Camp review continues. We have done the good, and now it's time for the bad. So, where do you want to start? Tom Cruise, maybe. Tom Cruise, yeah, yeah. I um gimmicks, gimmicks yeah. at these booths are you know I get it, marketing whatever, but like you have the crowd that's already there that's gonna buy your stuff, you know. Like if you're gonna put mm. an ad at like a baseball game or you're gonna do something on like mainstream TV, yeah, bring the imitation Tom Cruise, bring the whole friggin' uh, F one track out, you know, cool, right on. Um, but, you know, when you're actually at the conference itself, I there's so many different technologies now in that Explo floor. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I get the photo op and you have fun and do the thing. But it's like, and maybe because I'm a little bit more dry and boring about this stuff, I want to learn about what you're doing. I want to learn about the value prop. I don't want to take some picture with a random gimmick that you brought in. I, I really am trying to see where the value of your offering is. And I just found it annoying and I found it distracting um, and just really unnecessary. And I just probably sound like a massive wet blanket, but that was my, my take on it. Well, I think this is a good point, right? What is the context? What are we aware of? So one of the things, and we'll get to this in a second, that was really disappointing about some of the speaking engagements is a huge portion of the front end is devoted to who am I, what are my credentials, whatever. But I'm going to read that in the schedule when I make my list of things to go attend, right? And so the context is if I already know that, you don't have to introduce yourself. Same thing here. You're saying like, I am a CISO with budget going to this show on work, you know, budget to procure research new technologies. So you don't have to impress me with the gimmicks. You need to draw me into your booth to have a substantive discussion about what you can do for me, right? So I I definitely take that point. Like the F1 cars, they're like cool in the gang, but I mean, if you are drawing people in to take photos with your car, the question 
is are those the right people to buy your product <laughs> or do they get scared off by the crowds and and walk on right um and i want to say something about the product pitches so i actually thought a lot of the booth engagement was pretty good this time around um it didn't feel quite as pitchy as rsa did this year but this is my pro tip and then you can gut check this i was trying to think about this on the way back if you are going to approach George A and he says, all right, tell me what you do. And your answer starts with, we're a, and you insert category here, like we're an XDR platform that's such and such, what or what. Our solution is cloud native and agentless. And it does this. If you start your sentences with anything related to the first person plural, we or our, it's probably on the wrong foot. Versus, and this is where I want you to gut check me, we help insert security persona here. We help SOC teams do X, Y, and Z. We help developers add code that whatever, you know, like what is the thing that you are helping to solve rather than the thing that you believe yourself to be? I think that's a critical distinction, right? Because if you think about yourself, then you come out and you try to sort of like Gartner or Forrester category blitz your way into the imagination. Or you just have a substantive conversation about a problem that needs solving. So when waiting for you to gut check that hypothesis. No, that's, that's pretty much it, man. Like I, like if we're going to play a game of like your professional credentials and, and what you bring to the table and all that, that's cool. That information can be looked up. It's more, can we get to a point where like, can we find some common ground and mm. can we build enough trust to actually talk about problem statements and solutions? So there was a company, um, I, won't, I won't name who they are, um, but we're, like I'm interested in looking at them. I'm going to pursue that, that kind of relationship further. Um, I was talking to the account exec who was there, like he had definitely shown that he knew his product. He wasn't like an up, he wasn't like a lazy or a dummy or anything like that. Um, and we got to talking a little bit. And, and so his SC was kind of making a presentation to my CIO and we're watching the thing and they're loading up different stuff. And I look at him and I could see he was kind of like his, his hand was busted up a bit. And I was like, Oh man, like my hands busted up a bit too right now. Uh, and he's like, yeah, like I, I, I play a lot of rugby and I was like, Oh cool. I played rugby for a long time. And then like, we had a whole conversation about that just in the background. And um, you know, just as a result of connecting on that level that it turned into like, Hey, so like, we're looking at this because, you know, I'm seeing A, B, and C as a business use case for us. Mm. Um, do you think you guys can do that? And he's like, well, you know, we could help you out in one and two, but we should probably engage further to talk about three. And so it's like, okay, cool. So let's connect. And obviously we give our information and everything. You need a boost scan, but it's like, let's actually connect and let's see if there's, you know, something that we could do here. And, you know, I walked away because I had my CIO and one of my security architects with me. We're all really excited about exploring this relationship further on a personal level i'm i'm happy to do so because you know i actually enjoyed talking to the ae i thought right. he was a cool person we found common ground with each other and it feels a lot i guess they'll say palatable to have more deeper diving technical discussions where you're trying to assess something for business sake when you actually enjoy the person you're talking to <laughs> imagine that <laughs> that's that's really it if you're going to spend the time doing it man and i think again we are trying to solve typically technical problems that do have a financial case implication attached 
we all understand the dance and the game that we're playing. Let's try not to make it a miserable or boring time. Yeah, I, you know, again, I would say imagine that if you come at somebody and you treat them like a transaction, expect to be treated with the same level of concern and care. Right. Mm. I did see less of the bad. I mean, I was very clear. I was like, I am not your ICP. I'm going to unsubscribe. I'm just here for stickers for my kids. And uh, most people got that. And I didn't feel uh, the hard push or the hard pitch. Okay. So the other thing I want to address is the talks, the speaking. They're a big part of all of these conferences. Oh, yeah. And I just think that as an industry, we could use a little bit more polish. So there were several talks that I was interested in. You read the abstract. You're like, yeah, that's the one I'm going to. And, you know, it just doesn't hit the delivery is off. There are lots of ums, uhs, kind of speaking 101. But on the worst end of that spectrum are people who just showed up completely unprepared. I was in a talk at DEF CON, super interesting subject matter. But, you know, the first speaker was clearly reading off a piece of paper, would advance a slide and say something like, oh, wait, ignore that. That slide's not supposed to be there. And I'm just thinking, like, look, man, I came out here, I'm giving you my time, you can do me just the modicum of respect required to rehearse your talk more than once or twice, right? And I think I'm disappointed because the thousands of people who applied to speak at Black Hat, DEF CON, wherever, and they're not getting a chance, and you are, and you're not taking it seriously. It's a big deal. Uh, it's an honor to to share in your findings and your exchange of information and just have that audience. And so you really need to treat them with respect. And I think I would say a best practice is generally it's 20% about the content and 80% about the delivery, because if you don't deliver, I'm not going to retain it. I'm not going to talk about it. In fact, there were several moments where I looked up in one presentation. I was like, Oh, that's a really interesting slide, but I totally zoned out for the last 10 minutes. So I have no idea what you're talking about. And I just don't know if that's very effective at communicating the ideas we are looking to communicate at these conferences, be it new attack methods, be it new mitigation strategies, what have you. The ideas are valuable, but if you cannot communicate them, I mean, what's the point? So I think there's room for improvement, but uh, much better than it has been in the past. So uh, your uh, your takeaways are don't rely on gimmicks, uh, maybe keep the F1 car at home and really start out trying to establish baseline discussion based on problems. And the only reason I want to sum that up is because I'm about to unleash a torrent of fire because now we get to go into the WTF portion. Oh, of the Jesus. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> go ahead, sir. All right, so y'all, we got a problem in InfoSec, and it's ugly, and we're going to get talk about it. I have a lot of female friends in this industry, and the stupid level of harassment shit that they have to deal with and dealt with throughout this week is unethical, untenable, and just needs to fucking stop. And uh, I will leave it there 
for you to weigh in and then we're gonna we're gonna get into the the rest i really have a hard time with people who kind of are failing to the point of why these events occur and um trying to really bring it back and remember that like yes you're going to a party yes there's alcohol there yes people are having fun um this is still work this is still business there's yeah, still an expectation of professionalism and a, and a good attitude and i think when we cross those professional lines like and i'm not even blaming just the alcohol because those a lot of those folks mm -hmm. they were doing this even in sober interactions um you know if you if you wouldn't if you have a partner right male female whatever we have a partner. Would you behave this way with the folks you're meeting at these conferences if your partner was there? Would you behave this way like yeah. if your parents were there, right? If you wouldn't, then it's probably oh. not a cool thing to do. Yeah. Just, yeah. Let's just sum that up. Yeah. So I'm going to start with individuals and then I'm going to work my way to vendors. So all of these stories are, of course, anonymous. Uh, I know who these people are, but I don't want to share their identities. Not my story to share on their behalf, but I'm going to share parts of them so that the audience has a sense of what's happening, right? So one of my friends was in the Cosmo bar, as many tend to be after days at Black Hat, and turned around and her purse bumped into somebody, which is totally natural because this is a tight space in that bar. And uh, she said, oh, I'm sorry I hit you with my purse. And brother man says, well, I'm sorry it wasn't your chest. Hmm. I wasn't there. What the hell makes you think that it's okay to say that to somebody? And you might be like, well, you know, it's just alcohol. No, doesn't matter. It's what George said. This is a work trip. Behave yourself. Also, that's just not cool, even if you were sober. Like, it's just harassment and awfulness. I struggle to locate one friend of mine who was at black hat or defcon and does not have some tawdry remark or low-key harassment story and i'm sick of it it's it's really bad and it, you know at a time when we're struggling to keep women in cyber i don't know that that's helping us uh everyone wants to talk about talent shortage blah 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 and then we're not doing anything to create a safe space for people to just stay and grow in the profession eventually they just burn out of dealing with all that horseshit and they just walk away. And uh, we really can't afford that anymore. No. And there should be an expectation that they can go to an event and not feel like they're going to get hit on if they, you know, that's not what they're open to. And even, even on that standpoint too, like, like, you know, occasionally there are women that can be over aggressive as well and overly friendly. And that's, that's also equally not a good look, but typically speaking, especially with a male dominated right. industry, it's a male problem and um, we are not doing a good job of endearing ourselves and opening ourselves up to, you know, women and people of color and people of different cultures and that kind of thing. If it's really about, you know, creating these atmospheres where chaos can happen and, you know, like th this isn't, this isn't Porky's man. It's not some weird crap party. <laughs> oh, like, yeah. like I'm just like, like, I don't know, man. Like I just, it's it's crazy to say, and I can't believe I have to say this, like as someone who you know worked in bars for like 10 years, you can like find someone objectively attractive and keep that shit to your fucking self. 
<laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't know. You're talking like Jedi mind tricks, apparently. Because, <laughs> just like, you know, you can you can acknowledge someone's really pretty without saying anything to them and just like having the thought, like the concept of inner monologue where it stays yeah. inside and you just don't do anything. And like, you know, like, and it's just, we also have to remember too that some people can be, some people communicate and interact in ways that appear to be flirty, but they're not actually flirting with you. They're just, friendly people there's nothing behind that yeah stick your fragile ego in a box and put it in the closet and put it away they laughed at your joke it doesn't mean they want to have sex with you i'm yeah, sorry I, like dude like that I don't, needs to be said <laughs> but that's but again it's like we go back to the same kind of takeaways over and over again and it's super weird that like you go to these events and people are talking about it now so you think if there's more awareness people will stop and it's like nope it's only getting yeah. worse and uh, it's just making people feel alienated. Yeah. And a lot of that has to do with the homogeneity of the crowd. So I will say I was in this really full talk at B-Sides and I looked around and I think maybe, maybe there were like a dozen women. And then maybe I could count the number of people of color on one hand and myself might've been included, which is super sad if that's the case. Mm. Um, and I would like to see maybe the sponsors instead of getting like the big signs in the hallway or, you know, giant license to throw parties. If we could attach that to more scholarships and just get more people who can't get out to Vegas to those spaces. Like there are tons of people who want to learn, who want to take those briefings or do those labs or do the CTFs at DEF CON, if we could get more people out there, it might help. Yeah, that's, I think that's another thing too. Like I look, man, I hate to say it, um, especially framing this way. Cause I'm not, I'm not the identity politics kind of guy. I really try not to be, but, um, and a lot of those scenes, man, it's like, it's pretty white, dude. It's like super white and, uh, yeah. no one's trying to be unwelcoming. Like I, I personally did not experience, like I'm, I'm a CISO, so like, I, you know, privilege aside, I didn't see anything where people were being unwelcoming to each other, but depending on your experience in life and where you come from at home and that kind of thing, that can be very unwelcoming and intimidating to a lot of people from different communities. And that's something For that sure. I think is completely just goes over everyone's head. Yeah. Yeah. And like we said at DEF CON, um, if you have to have signs everywhere, about are you feeling okay do you or have you been harassed you know text this mm. hotline if you have to have the signs like every 10 feet there might be a larger problem <laughs> right like there might be a larger cultural issue but okay i want to turn attention to the vendors as we come to the end of the wtf section which is so we're talking about epic levels and endemic levels of harassment of individuals I would say against that context, we talked about context before anything you're doing in the booth that looks like you got outside hired help, AKA used to be called pejoratively booth bunnies, booth babes. If you have double entendres on the backs of those shirts, or you have some sort of come hither messaging that needs to stop. Okay. There was one vendor there who had, Look to be hired help wearing pretty fitted t-shirts that said, follow me into the dark, which is just WTF, mate. Like, 
again, against the context of what we're talking about, against the larger cultural context of violence against women. Like if that's your sell, if that's how you're going to get me to the booth, I want nothing to do with you. I'm proud to say I do know a few CISOs who straight up told that vendor, like, we will never touch anything that you're a part of. And note to vendors, as we've said on the show before, all the CISOs talk, all the security leaders talk. So if you have a shitty rep, that's going to get passed on inside those networks. So just make that choice, but understand that there are serious consequences attached to it. Yeah, that's, that's pretty much it, man, is like, look, this community is big as it is. It's actually pretty small Like when it comes down to it and everyone knows everyone. And, and you know, you go to these conferences and with, with kind of like all these different social media platforms now, it's truly global. And if you start having those bad reputations, people will start hearing about it all over the place. So yeah. I think thankfully it's a lot, um, it's a lot harder to hide that kind of behavior. And at the same time, it's a lot easier for folks to call out. We'll say, it sounds to me like that in that particular case, just a bad marketing call. Like that was just someone yeah. that made a rushed marketing call. And uh, you know, sometimes like <clears throat> that kind of organization maybe needs to have like a call. I'm not saying there needs to be anything bad that happens to them, but just more like a reminder that like, Hey, when you guys do your test market groups, you, whoever giving you, whoever's giving you your feedback, you need to find more people or different people. Like yeah. you're, you're, you're missing the mark. <laughs> yes. I have always said that when you see those marketing decisions, something has happened on the back end and it is usually explained by you don't have enough diversity in the workforce that's going to put their hands up and be like, um, that feels a little rapey or you don't have a culture where those dissenting voices feel like it's safe to put their hands up and be like, this is a bad idea. We shouldn't do it. Right. So, mm. yeah, but the everyone talks and uh if you get a bad rep it's going to be it's going to be hard to take that stain off so okay i don't want to end with the bummer the wtf has to be fixed i will say this george and i are pretty recognizable um we got those killer hats that everyone wants which we are really trying to work on making more available in ways that don't involve burning my credit card yeah but if you ever feel unsafe and we are at these conferences and you see us like straight up, come stand next to us and we got you. Like we just, if we got a block and tackle or we just got to distract someone while you Irish goodbye out the back door, whatever you need, we are there. I'm sure there are some uh, more willing people for that endeavor. Maybe we'll put something together, but that said, Let's try to end on a high note. So what is a highlight from your entire trip? Like what's one thing that just like stands out in your brain? I think what really what I enjoyed seeing, even though I wasn't actually at the thing, was seeing the the types of folks that were involved with SquadCon. Like mm -hmm. again, nothing wrong. Like I thought DEFCON was cool. Black Hat was cool. A lot of great people, a lot of great friends ran into there. But that energy, that environment, that kind of like we'll say more like, I don't want to call it artistic, but like they're just, those are creative people. That was, that, mm -hmm. that was a scene. That was an energy that I enjoyed being around. And, um, I think there needs to be more of that because that that's what makes these conferences and events memorable. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, I'll, I'll cite, uh, I've been, you know, got a bug in my ear about AI for the last few years and just being able to, run into people I've been talking to about this stuff 
or been consuming their stuff. Like I met with Ads Dawson, who worked on the OWASP top 10 for LLMs. But just like where else would I have the opportunity to meet that person and, you know, share some insights and a few laughs. And that's really incredible. And it's really hard to replicate that in a Zoom session or whatever the hell else. So, um, yeah, Vegas is a lot. Spend a small fortune in Ubers. It's super hot, but there is value there in in coming out and building those relationships. We just got to get more people out there from different stripes and then keep all the harassers at home because they can go fuck themselves. On that note, <laughs> I think that does it for this show. Um, yeah, thanks for tuning in, y'all. We will be back soon. That's it for Bare Knuckles and Brass Tacks this week. If you like what you hear, consider giving us a rating or a review and share on all your socials. It helps others find the show. Listen and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.